the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour of Pure Opelka kicking off with... uh, Just a quick sidebar into today's big story if you're watching the mainstream media. And I think the mainstream media's got some things screwed up. And if you want to join the conversation on this, I'd love to I'd love to get your take on it. The big story that they're all obsessing about today are these leaked transcripts of conversations the president had some of the early conversations he had with world leaders, for example, the, the um, Australian president, the president of Mexico, and there are transcripts of those conversations. And the discussion and the outrage and the, the anger that seems to be building here is how the, they're, they're mad at how the president was speaking to the president of Mexico and the Australian president, and the fact that it was frank and unfiltered and not in diplomatic speak that you might normally expect from 1920 conversations. Instead, it had a little less varnish on it. And in some cases, seemed to be downright street language. It wasn't anything along the lines of what Anthony Scaramucci said to Ryan Lizza of The New Yorker in any of the unfiltered language that he had. But it was, it was kind of like normal speaking. And the president saying to the president of Mexico, hey, you know, I'd appreciate it if you, don't, if you don't talk to the press and say you won't pay for the wall. Don't say that. We're not going to make you pay for it, but don't say it. You know, we're trying to get something done here, I think. I'm paraphrasing. And look, that, that language, I don't exactly have a a big problem with the way the president speaks. He wasn't cursing. He wasn't telling uh, sexually explicit jokes or denigrating people. Although he did tell the, the Australian president that he thought the deal for the refugees was dumb, that he didn't like it. It, You know, he thought it was a bad deal. And um, most unpleasant, you know, so the president, the president was human. But what I think is being totally glossed over here and totally missed out is the fact that these are leaks. These are leaked transcripts. Why in the hell aren't we focusing on the leaking? You know, what happens if something that's, that's really important gets leaked? What, if, what happens if something very sensitive, not just politically, but militarily gets leaked? What then? What, what then? Where is the outrage over this? Where is the, the pulling in the entire White House staff and saying, look, this has got to stop. This, this leaking must cease now. I really think it's important. I really think it has to be done. I, I can't believe we're not, we're not paying closer attention to that. But once again, this, this story has more sizzle. Did you hear what the president said? Did you hear what the president said to the Australian president? He called the deal dumb. Did you hear that? He thought it was dumb. Oh, my God, he used the dumb word. 
did you hear what he said to the president of Mexico? No wonder the president of Mexico won't come up here for a visit. I'm sorry, but the tone of those calls was more real than anything I've heard out of these reporters covering it. And the, the biggest question really needs to be, where the hell is the investigation into the leaking? Why can't this stop? That's, that's really what I want to know. And I would love for that to get, to get addressed by somebody. Because until we do it, you don't know what's going to come out of the White House. You don't know who's going to be able to talk to whom. Because you can't trust anybody. And if you can't have that basic, base level trust, what the hell are you going to get done? Now, I do believe, I do believe that this is going to be uh, solved once we get John Kelly fully entrenched as the, uh, as the chief guy in the White House. Chief of staff and take it. He's the general of staff as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's where this needs to go. So, uh, General Kelly, do your thing and shut down the leaks. General Kelly is probably working on that right now. I'm sure General Kelly is absolutely dug in. So I hope we're going to see some, some sealing of the leaks. There was also a story that they're finally getting to and finally starting to cover, and that is the president meeting with his generals to talk about Afghanistan. And we heard some, some little bitty bits and pieces out of that conversation, some little bitty snippets of something that said, here's what happened when the, general, when the generals met with the president, and he said, why aren't we winning in Afghanistan? And I think that's fair. I think the president sure as hell should be allowed to look his generals in the eye and say, hey, what's that? How come we're not winning? So uh, th- there's a lot going on today. And I think the news media, once again, is, uh, is screwed up and facing the wrong things. Now, we were supposed to get a special treat tomorrow. We were supposed to get an Anthony Scaramucci online event. I was really looking forward to that. Uh, it, appears, it appears that the Mooch has canceled his event there's a reason why, but I, I can't really play it for you. I, um, I really think that uh, we need extra beeps, and I don't think we have enough beeps in the building. So I, I don't know if I can actually play it for you. We will see. I'll try and give a listen to it during the break. But if you were planning on Anthony Scaramucci's online event tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Absolutely not happening. I'm sorry. I wish it were. No. Too late. Okay. All right. Let's get back to what we were talking about today. The really important issue. Birthdays. Birthday cakes. As someone who appreciates a good birthday celebration, as someone who appreciates a good birthday cake, I love when they bring out the cake with the candles And then we have, especially when you have either small children or you have uh, an older person who has a whole bunch of candles on their cake. I think that's just the best, right? Don't you? 
Well, did you ever think that we would need um, we'd need government intervention on birthday cakes? Well, it appears that we might. It appears that we, we might have a serious problem with birthday cakes. We might have a problem that we didn't even understand. We had no idea just how wide-ranging it was. We had no idea where we were going to have to deal with this birthday cake problem. And um, I think... I think finally, finally, it's time to get the government involved. And I think uh, once once you hear the whole story, you yourselves will also say, my God, why haven't we done something about this beforehand? There is a new study called bacterial transfer associated with blowing out candles on a birthday cake. Did you get that? The bacterial transfer associated with blowing out candles on a birthday cake. This really is a thing. This is a thing that's going, going on now, and, and it's starting to catch fire on the Internet. How many slices of birthday cake have you had? How many times have you eaten a, a piece of that sheet cake at the office after somebody blew out the candles? There's a story floating out there today on theatlantic.com that talks about the recent study, bacterial transfer, associated with blowing out birthday candles, that talks about the fact that some people are so nervous about the germs being spread by birthday candles on a birthday cake that they scrape the top layer of frosting over the cake. Now, this comes to us from the Journal of Food Research from our neighbors to the north in Canada. That's the correct pronunciation, in case you didn't know it. The study examined the potential spread of bacteria when blowing out birthday candles on a birthday cake. Preliminary tests of blowing on neutral agar indicated that bioaerosols in human breath expelled from the mouth may be a source of bacteria transferred to cake services to test... They used like this aerosol transfer and icing was spread evenly over foil and then birthday candles were placed through the foil into styrofoam, a styrofoam base. After consuming pizza, you know, this sounds like a really good test, right? What a good job this would be. So you're going to, you know, you're going to have birthday cake and now you have pizza and you, you blow out the candles after eating the pizza and they test to see if there's any of the pizza bacteria in the icing. And due to the transfer of oral bacteria to the icing by blowing out the birthday candles, that transfer of bacteria and other microorganisms from the respiratory tract of the person blowing out the candles is determined to be very likely. Somebody got paid. Somebody got paid to set up a bunch of sheet cakes with birthday candles on them to then eat pizza and blow out the candles while they used, I don't know, one of those air, the thing you used to clean your keyboard, the spray of air, the canned air. So you, that was probably your test group. You used a, a compressed air and then you had a, an actual person. What did they bring in? Somebody who had like emphysema or, or pneumonia and have them blow out candles so we can see if any of the ammonia germs were in the frosting? Can we just not ruin one more thing? Can we just, are, can birthday candles be there? 
They inc- this this study shows that birthday candles increase cake bacteria by are you sitting down 1400%. 1400%. Now considering how many times we've all eaten cake. I can't I can't even think of a time I got sick after eating birthday cake and then going home. So is it is this really a thing? Is this real? <laughs> I know it's about it's about as valid as the five second rule or double dipping or sharing popcorn. But this is you know this is something we have to ask Dr. Jorge. We're going to have to ask him next week about about uh, blowing out the birthday candles and and are we going to now have? I guarantee you somebody somewhere in the government is saying, do you know what we need? We need a curtain. A bacteria filtering curtain that will allow us to essentially blow through it, but it'll trap the particles and allow the wind to go through. I'm sorry, that's uh, the, you're ruining it, people. Or we're actually going to have uh, a a birthday candle blowing out robot that's going to come along. I, I you know. If you're worried about it, I guess you could always do what the one person that we heard about from this study does is scrape the top layer of frosting off. But that just means a delicious layer of frosting will forever be wasted. Now, I wonder, are there more germs in blowing out the birthday candle or sharing a cup or a kiss? Hmm. Just be aware of drooly birthday kids or seniors. I guess that's the best way to go. Now that I've ruined your next birthday party, I'm going to take a break. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I wanted to get back into uh, some serious stuff, but as we were finishing the story, the scientific study of bacterial transfer associated with the blowing out of candles on a birthday cake, uh, the gifted and talented folks in Dallas were apparently having their own conversation. You see, there's a second show that goes on in all of these radio shows. It's the show in the booth. That's on the other side of things. But uh, Ellie said to me, well, uh, I have a brilliant idea on how they could solve that that problem. And young lady, what was your idea? Uh, To have another cake, like a smaller cake with the candles in it. So when you blow, you can blow on that cake and then save the bigger cake for everybody else. So it's kind of like having a cupcake or maybe it's like bigger than a cupcake. Exactly. And put a bunch of candles on it and blow on that, put the candles out, and then you have the sheet cake where everybody else can get a slice of that and not have somebody spittle all over it. That's a good idea. I like that. But when we were um, discussing this, the crew in Dallas in the control room was also looking up transfer of germs from things like, you know, drinking out of the uh, 
the the uh, wine at church, the cup, the chalice at church, and uh, maybe a, a French kiss or sharing a cup with somebody. And what what were the stats you were sharing with me before on that, Ellie? Um, in an article I read, it said that the communion cup was cl- probably the cleanest thing. Okay. And um, and another thing I read about kissing, it says a 10-second French kiss can spread 80 million germs between mouths. A 10-second French kiss can, spend, can, can send 80 million germs from one mouth to the other? Yes. Wow. If you're French kissing and it's only 10 seconds, I'm sorry, but you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're really not spending enough time there. That's just my thought. And with that, I, I close the book on that subject. Thank you for that. That study came out of Canada. And while we're in Canada, before I get to uh, the next big topic in the, in the next half hour on the show, uh, this just crossed in the uh, Canadian national news. Air Canada's Boeing 767, they have a Air Canada Rouge, they have a 767 that landed after, after an emergency was discovered. This, uh, this modern passenger jet has a problem. Um, there were 240 people aboard on the 767, and uh, they were unable to make the final portion of this very long trip because all of the toilets were full. Yes, you heard me correct. All of the toilets were full. Can you imagine you're on the plane? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I know we are due to land in Montreal in about two hours, but unfortunately, uh, we need to make an emergency landing. We have a alarm light that says our lavatories are full, and uh, we'll be we'll be landing shortly. Uh, so all of you who are in distress, uh, rest easily. We'll be on the ground soon. Now here's the deal. Remember all those stories we hear about the planes? They push a button and it ejects all of that stuff, and it it dissolves in the air or whatever. On the 767s, none of, that, none of that is thrown out into the world. They keep all of that stuff like luggage. It's added weight. So the plane had to be diverted because the tanks were apparently full. And they landed on the ground only to discover that the tanks weren't, in fact, full. They... <laughs> They had a bad sensor on the dashboard. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever heard this happen. The system is designed to shut down all the toilets if the tanks are full, said the president of an aviation consulting company. I'm glad I wasn't on that plane. Can you imagine if they were halfway over the ocean? Oh, well, crisis averted. We'll be landing in Chicago. Please cross your legs and hold on. We'll be there in a minute. And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I have to tell you, uh, I'm, I'm flattered by how many of you have jumped on and voted on today's Vital Question poll, but I'm also uh, flattered and insulted by some of the things you have put in the comment sections as it relates to today's Vital Question poll. And if you're just joining us, you're just tuning in. The Cleveland Clinic, which, which is a respected place, right? A respected medical uh, organization. The Cleveland Clinic, one of its doctors said, you know, we really want you to think twice about uh, taking a drink out of the garden hose. Because, according to the Cleveland Clinic, the doctors at the Cleveland Clinic, drinking from the garden hose is not a good idea. Some of the chemicals include those BPAs and the PVCs. The BPAs, I know that's in the plastics, and they're worried that that's carcinogenic, and they've taken it out of all, like, baby food containers, etc. They can increase your risk of cancer, cause hormone problems, neurological problems, can also affect development in children. Now, uh, Dr. Dan Allen is the guy who's on, on the record on this one, says if you do drink from the hose... Use one made from natural rubber. So now I have to look at the ingredients. I'm going to Home Depot or the hardware store. Uh, excuse me, do you have any hoses that are natural rubber? I only use natural rubber when I'm, when I'm watering in the garden. They say that you can also let the water run for a few minutes to allow the most highly contaminated water to escape before drinking it. So that first burst of water is the most highly contaminated? How does that get contaminated, but everything else that comes out afterward stay not contaminated? I just want to know. I'm confused. I'm conflicted. I need, I need to know this stuff. Come on. Come on, Cleveland Clinic. Give us a break. And now, looking at some of the things that you guys have written also in the, in the comments section, and you don't think I pay attention, do you? You don't think I'm actually going in and reading the comments that you write on the Twitter. But I understand. When I ask a question like this, I'm opening myself up for criticism. Somebody wrote, a little bit of debris, a little bit of debris are good for the immune system. And uh, Gail Trask, who is uh, very active on this, on this radio show, writes, Next week, they'll find some amazing health benefit to drinking from the hose. You know, I think, Gail, I think you've nailed it. Because yesterday, we gave you the latest news about red meat, about butter, about salt, about egg yolks, about whole dairy, and how we thought those were all the devil. And now we're told, you know, those have really good things. Even beer is shown to have things that make bones stronger. So, ladies, you can have a beer every day. Men, you can have two. But this, this really, <laughs> it's just irritating. Redfish 412 writes, Since I played, uh, I played release religiously as a kid from 97, maybe today, I never shy away from the... What? I'm not sure what that means, release. But you enjoy drinking out of the hose. Ellie tweeted a picture of a young person, a little person drinking out of the hose. 
Michael P. writes, that was the only water I drank when I was a kid. Now, somebody wrote that now we know why there are no little stunt brains running around because Mike's been drinking from the hose. You know I can read all these. You know I'm aware of all these. Currently, 75% of you say, uh, we're drinking from the hose and, uh, and, and we're sticking to it. 18% say they're going to stop drinking from the hose. And the 7% of you that are confused say, oh, I really don't know. I really don't know. All right. What's the funniest word in the English language? You know, if the president's going to be requiring people who come here now, who immigrate here when they get their visas, and this new law is currently under debate, so nothing's changed yet. But uh, I, I want to know what the funniest word in the English language is. Are, are you aware? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Science has gotten involved in this. Science has actually determined that the funniest word in the English language, and they've done this uh, through researchers at Eng England's uh, University of Warwick, they took 5,000 common words and asked participants in the study to rate 200 of them on a scale of 1 to 5, 5 being very funny, 1 being humorless, 1 being humorless. Now, they did this and broke it out uh, based on what men thought and what women thought. Men, in terms of the, the top five funny words from men, uh, and this is kind of confusing, uh, tied for fifth, brand and chauffeur. Chauffeur, funny word. Orgy is number, four, uh, number three. Birthmark is number two, and bondage is number one funny word. I don't understand. In the women's category, the women have some pretty funny words. Juju is rated number five. Coming in at number four is grand, which I don't know. Number three is circus. Number two is beast. And number one is giggle. Now, older and younger people rate words funny words differently as well. Younger people found hunchback to be the fifth funniest word. And now that I hear it, hunchback is a funny word. Number four is germ. Number three is joint. Number two is reform, which I don't understand why that's funny. And number the number one funny word among younger participants would be goatee. I guess somebody's talking about hipsters. Over in the uh, older category, older people found funny words burlesque, jingle is number four, number three is squint, number two is birthright, and number one is caddy. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this. But in the number one funniest word in the overall ratings given it a positive extreme, meaning the most, the most extreme humor ratings. Coming in at, at number five is nitwit. Nitwit's a good word. It, it barely beat out twit. Twit is a funny word. Maybe we should do all top ten, as Casey Kasem would do it. In terms of the funny, these are the top ten funniest words brought to you by the 
by the British University of Warwick. Coming in at number 10 is twerp. The ninth funniest word in the English language is ass. At number 8, egghead. At number 7, bebop. Number 6 is tinkle. Now, tinkle is a funny word, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now back to the countdown. Waddle and Twit are tied at number five. Coming in at number four, Nitwit. Number three is Hooter. Number two is Booby. Well, tied for number two are Booby and something else, a word that begins with a T and ends with a T, and I can't say it on the radio or I'll be F-I-R-E-D. But the number one funniest word in the English language, according to this survey, booty. Booty. I don't know if I agree with this. But there it is. You can't fight science. If you deny that booty is the funniest word in the English language, then you are a science denier. I can't believe that uh, booby and uh, the T word were tied at number two. And at number three was Hooter. It seems like we're kind of laughing at the same word over and over again, doesn't it? But thank God booty beat everybody. Booty, the funniest word in the English language. When we get back, we'll wrap up today and tell you if there's any other breaking news coming out of D.C. Because nobody's paying attention. There's been no update on, on North Korea and what we're doing. There's been no update on the on what's happening with Russia and all our 700 ambassadors who are being told to come home and the properties being seized because we're all worried about the president's phone calls and the fact that Scaramucci and the same things he said a week ago are now released in audio. So you can listen to him bleeped. It just makes no sense to me. But thank God we now know that the word booty is funny. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Very good for Chris Salcedo with Maria Bartiromo, the money honey. I don't. Does she still like to be called that? I I hope that's not going to make her mad. But anyway, Salcedo follows this show, so uh, make sure you follow him. Before we get out of here, a couple things to remind you of: Relief Factor, get your life, your freedom, get back to living your life. I started using Relief Factor. It's working for me. It's working great for me. All natural, made from from uh, wild-caught fish oil and botanicals. And it reduces the inflammation and helps your body help itself. Inflammation's gone. Pain is gone. Listen to Patricia in Michigan. At one time, I was in constant pain in my knees and hips. I'm 72 years old and thought, that's what happens when you get old. I heard about Relief Factor on the radio shows. To my surprise and relief, it took away my hurt. I can get out of bed easier in the morning, and even damp and rainy days don't bother me as much. I started out taking three doses per day, but now only take two. Thank you, Relief Factor, for letting me know about this wonderful product. You're welcome, Patricia. And if you want to try it like Patricia did, go to relieffactor.com. 
Check out the three-week quick start pack, 95 cents a day, basically. It's nineteen ninety-five. Call them at 1-800-500-8384, 1-800-500-8384. It is Relief Factor. Before we get out of here, wow, we covered a lot. I talked about these leaks out of the White House, and I talked about the fact the mainstream media is focused on on the transcripts of the the very uh, unformal, informal conversations the president had with other world leaders. And I'm not as worried about his language as I am worried about these damn leaks that hurt our country. This is what undermines us with, with other nations around the world, that we can't keep a damn secret. We can't let our president have a conversation with a world leader without somebody leaking the transcripts. Very dangerous stuff. I've also, we talked earlier about possible celebrity candidates in the the next couple of elections, whether it's Senate or presidency. Well, there's a a Marine, a retired Marine with an ad campaign that's gone viral that's probably going to help the Democrats. It's an ad for Lieutenant Colonel retired Amy McGrath. I'll just give you a little taste of it. GOP. This should make you nervous. She wants to run in Kentucky. I was 12 years old. I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up. I wanted to fly fighter jets and land on aircraft carriers because that's the toughest flying you can do. When I was 13, my congressman told me I couldn't fly in combat. He said Congress thought women ought to be protected and not allowed to serve in combat. I never got a letter back from my Senator Mitch McConnell. I then wrote every member of the House and Senate Armed Services Committees asking them to change the law. I said they just hadn't met me yet, and I knew I could do it, but most of them told me I couldn't. Then I got into the Naval Academy, and wouldn't you know, that's when they changed the law. I'm Amy McGrath, and I love our country. I spent 20 years as a U.S. Marine, flew 89 combat missions bombing Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. I was the first woman Marine to fly in an F-18 in combat, and I got to land on aircraft carriers. Now I'm running for Congress against Andy Barr in my home state of Kentucky. He's Mitch McConnell's hand-picked congressman who said he would vote enthusiastically to take health care away from over a quarter million Kentuckians. Mr. Barr, my mom is a polio survivor who became one of the first women to graduate from UK medical school. A lot of people told her she couldn't achieve her dreams either, but she persevered and ended up treating many of the same kind of people whose health care you and Mr. McConnell would take away. You want to see the future of the Democratic Party, they're figuring it out. The GOP better get on board. The GOP better get its act together. A retired Marine Colonel pilot. An impressive candidate. I I think the GOP should be worried. I think the GOP should be very concerned. Amy McGrath is the kind of candidate the Democrats have been looking for to steal the traditionally red vote that supports military. And you look at some of the other candidates that are already elected and out there. You only need to look at the, the Illinois Congresswoman who lost both her legs in the war in Iraq. And now she is a senator. And now she is possibly presidential or vice presidential timber. Amy McGrath and others are 
are probably going to shake up the GOP in states that we normally thought of as reliably red, like Kentucky. If Mitch McConnell hasn't seen this ad, he better and he better wake up. I'll tweet this out so you can see it. It's Amy McGrath. The ad is called Told Me. Everybody should be worried. Get your act together, GOP. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same station. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.